Okay, so there's so many golden threads going through these words. So I'm just going to summarize because we also heard similar kind of threads in the, in the previous uh, evening service. So intercession, worship, hosting God's presence, but then also healing and restoration. That would be like some of the big themes that are, that are coming up. So intercession, worship, seeking God's presence, um, but then also restoration and healing, and then training people to do what they've experienced here and taking it into, into the world. Okay, so can all of us just say amen to that? Okay, so all of you are part of this. And this is why we're talking about the church, because the church is not somebody standing up here or even on a Sunday coming together and listening to worship music. The church is all of us together, joined in His body where He is the head. So to summarize last week, we said, if we are the body of Christ, then we are the embodiment of Jesus. So that means that you are Jesus to somebody. But also it means that you are with other people and that you cannot choose your team. God placed you into this team that he calls the church. And they will not necessarily be the team that you've chosen for yourself. You think, wow, okay, now I have this team, but I actually want that team or rather want that person. But God says, I've placed you into this body and I'm choosing my team. Because often I will will use the weakness of man so that my name can be glorified. Paul says that if I'm weak, then God is strong. So we are the embodiment of Jesus, whether you like it or not. If you're perfect, if you're imperfect, if you still struggle with issues, you have relational problems, you are still the body of Christ. We are joined together by the head, but also through His Spirit. And we represent Jesus. So that's why next Sunday, we want to go to the city hall here in George. And on the property of the municipality, we want to make known who Jesus is. We want to say, God, we're going to worship you with all our hearts. We're going to do church like we're doing it now, but we're going to do it all together with Otuering, with the youth, all three services. There will be no services in this building, by the way. Because the idea is that we not only gather everybody under one roof, but also that we make a statement that we have something to give to George and to the Southern Cape. Everybody wants Jesus, the real Jesus. Many of them, and even you, have been offended by a not-so-real Jesus, by somebody modeling Jesus, or they told you that they're modeling Jesus, but they were actually not modeling Jesus. And maybe also because of your insecurities or, or because of your sin or your hurt. People often get offended by, like I said last week, the fat people in the gym. But you should be excited. You should celebrate that. Because people are going to the gym. They want to get them sorted out. That's why people are in the church. If we have lots of difficulties in church relating to one another, it's actually a great problem. It means that broken broken people, like, like Dwayne said, are coming to church, but they are obviously also exposing himself to the washing of the word, to the presence of the power of the, of the Spirit's power so that they can be healed and restored. So if you sense a little bit of offense in church every now and then, it's a good thing. 
to say, thank you, Jesus. I am in your body, and I'm going to look beyond this. I'm going to look to the head. I'm going to build my relationship not on people's relationships that I, that I or the, what I experience from people or even the teaching. that I, I'm going to build it on my relationship with you. But collectively, together, we're going to embody Jesus. I, I grew up in church. I know of all the hurt and pain that church caused. All the years. And if, if you speak to any kind of atheist, they will often say, yeah, yeah I, know, I know your church's story. Agnostic will say, I, I've been there. Those Christian people, all of them just like fat people in the gym. Look at them. They're still the same. I had this pastor, he did this to me, and this friend or this small group facilitator, he didn't do this. Is that really Christian? Is that Christ-like? I'm like, yes, it's not Christ-like. But one day before heaven, you cannot go to God and say, hey, God, I'm so offended with, with James, and therefore I gave up on the game that you have called me to play. I gave up. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Because often what happens with offense, it's just the start of a slippery slope of bitterness and hurt and pain down towards unbelief. And often, and I'm not prophesying this over anyone, often then losing your faith. So God has called the church in its current state, to be the body of Christ. And he has called all of you. And all of you are worthy because you are willing to follow Jesus. That makes you worthy. The blood of Jesus, not where you come from. I love it that Rizan's standing up here in her last words were, every knee will bow. You know why that's powerful? Because Rizan came to me for deliverance. And then I've often told the story. And there was a demon manifesting, and I, I said, in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And then she fell to the ground. And then I said, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And she said it. And she received deliverance. There were so many things wrong in her body. People said she wouldn't have kids. How many kids do you have already? Two kids with Yaku, uh, her husband. They got married. Yaku actually brought Rizonia. I said to him, hey, you're not allowed, while we're doing counseling with Rizan, you're not allowed to kiss her. So he sent me a photo of a Bible sitting between him and Yaku, of him and, him and uh, Rizan. So we, we are the church. You are the church. And you have something, something to give. So what we're going to look at today is that it's a bit of a teaching. So on just the fivefold ministry, but it... For me, it speaks of heaven being, or the church being a heavenly institution. That means that, that God has a blueprint in heaven, but he has given people to make that happen. People are used in the kingdom to build the church. Okay, so we're going to specifically look at Ephesians 4 verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, often called the fivefold ministry, to the church. But let's look at uh, Ephesians 2 verse, verse 18. We're going, to start, we're going to start there. 
So it speaks of Jesus, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is not a Jewish community. It's mostly a Gentile Greek community. And he says, for through him, speaking of Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So hey, Gentiles, all of you, you now have access to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So it doesn't matter where you come from, through Jesus in the Spirit's power, you are all part of God's household. You are part of His family. You share the same blood, the blood of, of Jesus. Build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So remember that. Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And such a beautiful picture. So he says, there's a foundation, apostles, prophets, there's a cornerstone. And all of us together, we are creating this space for God to dwell in. When God instructed Moses to build the tabernacle, he said, hey, build me a tabernacle. Why? Because I want to be with my people. That is the God of the universe's heart. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with his people. So when you think of church, church should really just be a place like, hey, let's get connected so that God can be in our midst. The reason why, that's the reason why the Bible says, where two or three or more or more are gathering my name there, I will be, because God loves where people gather. He loves you, but he also loves it when you come together in his name, just being the church. He loves it when you go and watch rugby with your friends. He loves that. He loves it when you worship together, when you go on a mission outreach, when you say, hey, we're going to do business according to God's word, according to what he has spoken over us. That is two or three gathered in his name. That is the church. The church is not the four walls represented here. This is important. It's great to have a discipline of, for instance, just bringing your kids and your family to church and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sit under the word and we're going to wash ourselves with the worship, the presence of God, and we're going to join with other infallible, broken people, and we're going to be the church. And then we're going to go from here and we're going to carry the light into the dark places. And there's so much darkness in George. And, and George is actually a, a, a very Christian environment. And then we skip to chapter 3 from verse 4. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. So Paul is telling them about this mystery that he received through Revelation, which was made made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by, by the Spirit. Okay, so key for, for this teaching of today is that God is building a church. He's going to use people to be apostles and prophets and then as the foundation, but he is always the cornerstone. In other words, he brings everything together. But God's going to use people. He's going to build 
on people. And those people are not perfect. By the way, where I'm going with this is not that you're going to call me apostle armor or prophet armor. But there is a truth that we need to reestablish in church that God wants to build on the gifts of the apostle and the gifts of the prophets. He wants to build on that as a foundation. And then his church, like Ephesians 3 verse 10 says, will be able to declare the manifold wisdom to the powers and the principalities. So what does that mean? It means that the church will get to a place that everything that we do will not only speak to people, but it will speak to the powers and the principalities. Those things that control the different governmental functions within the world, the church is supposed to speak to those things. And Matthew 16 says that not even the gates of Hades will prevail against the marching of the church. That means that there is power in the church. And we are supposed to, to exercise our authority. I think Razan also said that. When we march as the army of Jesus Christ and we'll see strongholds fall, like Etienne say, the strongholds will be released, will be broken, will be shattered by young people like Etienne. By worship, by intercession. But we need to understand how powerful we are as a collective. Okay, so remember, apostles, prophets are the foundation. Now we're going to go into Ephesians 4. Remember, so what Paul is doing is, is giving us kind of a, of a blueprint for church. Therefore, it says in um, verse 8, it speaks of, of the gifts that Jesus has given us. And he says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? So it speaks of Jesus dying on the cross, then going down to hell to open up and to break down strongholds so that in him we can have authority over spiritual powers. And then verse 10, he who descended is the one also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So now Jesus is not down there anymore, but he has ascended. He is the ruler of the world. And in him, the church is an instrument to bring about his kingdom. The church is not the central part or the center point of the kingdom. The church is merely an instrument that God uses to advance and to bring about his kingdom. So his kingdom, it means his rule and his reign. Imagine the kingdom of God manifesting in its fullness in George. What will George look like? Look like. So, and that's where if we talk about, hey, what's God, what God's doing, he's always generically want to bring about his kingdom. And he's wanting the church to be the instrument, you and I, to be the instrument in doing that. Then verse 11, and he gave the apostles. So now he's giving us tools to advance his kingdom, to bring about his authority, to build his church. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. 
To do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, that's the church, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful and in deceitful schemes. So God's giving us these gifts, five of them. And listen to what the result will be if we implement those five gifts. So it speaks, yes, of offices. So people stepping into that office and bringing their gift to the table will eventually result in the church seeing this. People will be equipped for ministry. And when he talks about ministry, it means that people in their workplace, in their schools, in their families will be equipped for ministry. So in other words, you will do what God has called you to do. One, it will bring unity. Three, it brings people to full maturity in Christ. So if those five gifts operate, then there will be maturity. If only one of them operate, there will not be maturity. There will not be unity. People will not be equipped. And then four, people will be kept from deception. In other words, people will know how to discern when they listen to a YouTube clip. Hey, that's from the Lord. That's not from the Lord. The news teaching, hey, you know what? That is not what Scripture says. But that is what Scripture says. There we should focus. There we should rather not focus. Okay, let's now look at the five offices, the, f- the five gifts that God has given us. And when we read through these things, I, I already sense some of you are like, but yeah, I'm never going to be one of them. That is already you allowing a lie from the devil in your head and you're sitting in church, by the way. <laughs> what God's saying is that we must stimulate these gifts in all of us. It's not only talking about, hey, let's find, I guess, so now so James is the apostle, Karina is the prophet, Francois is now the evangelist, and we have a teacher here, and then we also have a pastor. No, that's what, let's now build around them, and then all these things will happen. No, God's saying we must build the ministry of the apostle, we must build the ministry of the prophet, we must build the ministry of the teacher, we must build the ministry of the pastor, the ministry of... Um, the evangelist. Okay, so if we can go just to the next slide, Yaku. So here's how these gifts operate. And I believe that all of us will have an inclination to one or two of these gifts. So this will be, you'll not necessarily be an apostle or a prophet but you'll have an inclination because you are created in the image of God and also because you are part of the community of God, you'll have an inclination to one of these gifts. And if you pursue these gifts, then God's going to add His anointing and then the body of Christ will be built up and we'll see all those things manifest that we need to manifest so that we can be that church that breaks down strongholds. 
But all of us together, we need to say, hey, we're going to go for this. Okay, the first one is the apostolic. So the starting point for the apostolic is the kingdom of heaven. Apostle, it comes from the Greek word, which means apostolur, which means the same one. So when you think of being an apostle, it is God sending the apostle from heaven to earth with a blueprint. There's a blueprint of heaven given to the apostolic person, and he can develop that blueprint. He can build in that blueprint here on earth. So in the olden days, when the Greeks would go and conquer a territory, the king or the governor will send out a group of apostles, and what they will do is they will take the culture of, say, Greece, and then they will bring it to the region. So think of bringing the culture of heaven to your sphere of influence. If you're a mom, you need to be apostolic. You need to bring heaven down to earth in your home. If you're a teacher, the same. If you're a business leader, think of the blueprint. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 12, uh, Paul says that I've shown all the manifestations of the super apostles. And then he talks about signs, wonders, and miracles. And some of you, okay, no, but I'm not apostolic because I cannot move in signs and wonders and miracles. No, you can. There at the back, Etienne that stood up, his mom moved in signs, wonders, and miracles. She didn't have a womb, but now Etienne is there. You can ask, there's the story. Pete, am I talking, talking nonsense? That was being, that's apostolic. Blueprint of heaven. God made her a woman. By the way, that's quite a statement these days. Des is a woman. And then God gave her Etienne. Okay, second one is the voice, the prophetic, the voice of God. John 10 verse 27 says that the sheep can hear his voice and can follow him. So the the prophetic, to stimulate the prophetic, you need to constantly hear from the Lord. God, what are you saying? Not what is the YouTube saying, YouTube guy saying. God, what are you saying? God, speak to me. Speak to me about my children. Speak to me about my colleagues. Speak to me about the church. Get in an environment like this in worship. You're like, hey, so what, God, what are you actually saying? I know I'm coming here for a word from you. But I actually also want to contribute and I want to build the prophetic because it's so important, it's foundational to the church. So I'm going to hear what is God saying. I'm so glad for great mentors and people that discipled me in Stellenbosch. One guy came to me and said, hey, I have this massive problem in my, in my small group. People are not getting along and this and this and this. And I, can you please help me with strategy? And he said, hey, what's God saying? I said, I don't know. I'm coming to you for strategy. He says, no, but what is God saying? So what does it stimulate? It stimulates the prophetic. And the prophetic is not the person that's all weird and wonderful and wave flags and does these drawings and stuff. And now, that's yes, that's part of the prophetic. And often people that are prophets are more creative. And they express God's word in different ways. And we need to value them in church. But even the bean counter, the accountant, can be prophetic. 
It's just hearing God's voice. And then thirdly, we need to stimulate the evangelistic anointing in our midst. So where do they start? It's those people that tell you, hey, I, I struggle, man. I struggle. So many people aren't saved. These people must get saved. I'm a grateful C.S. Leroux who discipled me in Stalamos. He is an evangelist. It was all about getting, in Stalamos, for instance, first year saved. We must get them saved. He would say to me, hey, Alma, if we don't get them saved in the first month, we're going to lose them to alcohol and to lust for the whole year and then we only get them in their third year. And then they have lots of shame and offense and hurt and pain. So get them saved in the first month. So we did everything. We left all the old students and we just focused on the first years in that first couple of months. I'm grateful for that. Because often we're involved in, in mercy ministries and, and we want to get people to be educated. And we send people better educated in better condition, with a better lifestyle to hell. Because we never preach the gospel and say, hey, ultimately you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, get born again. That is the evangelistic anointing. We need to pursue that. Who of your friends are unsaved? Who of your family members are unsaved? Pursue that and then allow for people to help you with that. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. Pastors are those shepherds, those people that, that allow for relationships to flourish and people to experience nurturing. Love those people. Lots of them in our church. So you know if somebody gets saved, you send them to a pastor because they will nurture, they will love them. They will even look beyond their sin and their brokenness and they'll just be there with them. Hey, Alma, we need to care for those people. That's why, for instance, we have small groups. That's the system that we've built to help the pastoral gifts. Because then we can place people in relationships. And I know some of you are like, hey, I don't like the people around me. But I, if I put you in a small group and you're together Wednesday after Wednesday or Tuesday morning after Tuesday morning, you're going to start loving those people even though they're broken even though you don't laugh at their jokes, even though you think their children are very mis not very well behaved, you're going to love them. So the pastoral gifting, what it does is, hey, we love the person. And we need that. If we're talking about, Etienne said something about homosexuality and the stronghold of homosexuality being, needs to be broken that we need loving and kind fathers especially that get the young men, young ladies that walk in here, give them, give them a hug and saying, hey, this is what God has called you. You are a male, you are a female, you are a woman, you are a man, and God's calling you to fulfill that identity. You are sanctified. Come love. Hey, even if you still struggle, hey, maybe you're still watching homosexual sexual porn. Hey, we still love you. So the pastoral people. And then teachers are the people that ask you, but where does that say that in the word of God? And brilliant. 
good question. So God's, God's calling you to break up a relationship with a friend? Because God now spoke, you're very prophetic. So where does that say that in the Word? That you must just walk away from friendships and offend so many people? It's a good question to ask. What does the Word of God say about sexual immorality? What does the Word of God say about heaven or hell? What does the Word of God say about you being equipped, your priorities? Great question to ask. We need more teachers. That's why we have Bible school. Get into the Word. So all of you would be able to relate to one or two of these. And that's 100% fine. But always allow, just like you would do in business, staff your weakness. If you know that you're a teacher, you need a prophet friend with you. Say, hey, listen here, you're now searching the scriptures. Hear from the Lord which book you should start reading. If you're a prophet, you need a teacher friend. Because you're all over the place. God's telling you this, and then he's telling you that. Hey, ground yourself in the word of God. Get the basic stuff done. You're still praying, waiting for the Lord. Should I get baptized? Should I get baptized? It's in the Bible. Get baptized. Should I now be an evangelist and go on a mission trip? Hey, God says, hey, if all of us should go to the nations, you should ask the Lord, should I rather stay than go? And don't be offended by the apostolic people. They just want to break up, break the ground. Just want to go. Hey, come here with me. We need to go. We don't have time. Okay, I know you. You're struggling, you're offended, you need a little bit of healing, you're bitter towards Ursula, Ursula didn't greet you this morning. Hey, but let's go, let's go. Kingdom of heaven needs to come. And let's cry out for the lost. Get that friend that tells you, hey, my brother's not saved. And first thing that he shares with you next week when you're when you pray with him again, it's like, hey, my brother's not saved. Let's pray for my brother again. Let's pray for him again. Let's pray for him again. I love it. We have a, a running small group. So almost every Monday, we pray for this one guy's brother to get saved, to, to come back to Jesus. And I love that. I love that. Okay, then last scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. So again, it's in the context of the body of Christ. Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, telling them about all the gifts that, he, that you can have through the, through the Holy Spirit. And he says this, he ends off that chapter with this. And God has appointed in the church, what? First apostles, second the prophets, third the teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. So Paul's saying there's a priority when it comes to the church. And we found the same idea in Ephesians, where it speaks of the foundation of the church is the prophets or the apostles and the prophets. So why is there priority, preeminence given to the apostolic and the prophetic? Why? They're the foundation, but why? 
The reason is because the apostle and the prophet starts with God. They would sometimes offend people and then work on their relational skills and their abilities, but they always start with God. So the apostle is, and this is what we're crying out as a church for, like, God, what is your blueprint for George? What's your blueprint for my family? What is your blueprint? It doesn't start with, hey, let's look at the different relationships that are currently happening in my family or the things that are happening in George and then respond to what's happening in George. No, what is the blueprint? And that is the ideal. And that's what we're going for. That's the apostle. The prophet is, okay, God, so what are you, what are you saying? So the, the prophet would say, hey, it looks like we need to start in, educa- or in education, but God's actually saying we should start with sports ministry. I'm not saying this is what God's saying, but this is what the prophet would often do. Like it seems, the natural thing seems like education is the way to go. There's money, everybody is focused on education, but God speaks through the prophet and says, hey, now you're going to use sports as a ministry. It's a Joseph had story. Hey, God, three tribes are coming against us. They're going to kill us. Prophet stands up and he says, send the musicians. Horrible idea. But it works. So why is the church bold on the apostolic and the prophetic? It's because it starts with heaven. It starts with the voice of the Lord. And all of you should have an apostolic and a prophetic ministry in you, or at least pursue that. For instance, Green over there, she's very prophetic. So somebody sends me a couple of years ago, hey, Julius Malema is coming to George. There's an EFF rally, and everybody's sort of on this narrative of fear. I just thought, wow, it's a good idea. I didn't think Heaven has fear. I think it's a good idea that I go there. That's just what I'm thinking. Green messaged me and says, no, the Lord said we must go there. Oh, I must go there. She's speaking about herself. I must go there. Ultimately, Green drags me to this Julius Malema meeting that we have in Temaletu. Our Black pastor friend said we, he saw us coming in and we looked really scared. <laughs> or she didn't look scared, scared. I looked scared. Green even said that we need to report at the police station because what if something happens to us? And she took me right to the front. She was standing at this barrier between, so it's only the barrier and Julius Malema. And Green's like, Jesus loves you. Does that seem like a wise thing to do? No. Even the EFF guy that escorted us afterwards, he said, hey, can I just maybe walk with you? We need to listen to what the apostles are saying and what the prophets are saying. But then also the the teachers. Because the teachers, they don't start with 
what God's saying, but they often get caught up in the technicalities of the word. But it's so important that they still the base. And if you read scripture, you'll actually understand that you need to focus on the apostolic and the prophetic. And the pastoral people need to teach the apostolic and the prophetic people, hey, listen here, you need to take people with you. You're so far ahead, apostle, that you actually look like the people that you're supposed to shepherd, you look like the enemy to them. And the evangelist needs to take it back. Hey, hey listen here, you've now been to how many Julius Malema rallies you've done, how many prophetic things there on the mountain, but how many people are getting saved? But sometimes, if you get a breakthrough in the spirit, like with the Toronto blessing, 300 people praying for revival. At the end of 10 years, they had 66,000 people that got saved in the building. How's that for being evangelistic? And all they were focusing on is apostolic, prophetic. But if you don't see souls being saved, you're not apostolic. Or you're not prophetic. Okay, great. I'm going to, I think we're already at 10 o'clock. Ben, you can come up. Let's close, let's close our eyes. And I want to I wanna pray a prayer of, this is, like I said, it's, it's more like a teaching today. But I, what I'm trusting the Lord for is that he will raise up apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors in our midst so that we will equip people for ministry, we'll bring unity, and we'll see people being fully matured in Christ and that we will not fall for deception. So I'm going to pray that God stir the fivefold ministry gifts in our midst. But you also need to pray for this. Pray for this. Let's just, you can just open your hands like this. If you can pray in the Spirit, then I want you to pray in the Spirit. And the reason why we pray in the Spirit, somebody would say, hey, but if you pray in the Spirit, you need to interpret what the Spirit's saying. Now it's just you opening up your Spirit so that you can receive from God. So we're just taking our fleshly minds into the Spirit and we're saying, Lord, we receive the fivefold ministry gift in our midst so we can be a, a church that's fully equipped for your kingdom. If you cannot pray in the Spirit, you just pray, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. And just in your, in your conversation with God, say, God, I, I think I'm apostolic, or I think I'm more teacher-orientated. Just mention it to the Lord. And then also have this conversation with the Lord saying, Lord, I, I need more teachers in my life. I'm so prophetic, I need more teachers. Lord, I, I need to have a heart for the lost people. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're present. Thank you that through Jesus you are giving us gifts so that we can be your church, the instrument that advances your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus.
Lord, I ask that you will you'll take us into the Spirit. Just take us into the Spirit, God. Holy Spirit, we, we come to you in humility. We don't deserve anything, any gifts from Jesus. But we ask that you restore the fivefold ministry to your church. And you give us the gifts of the, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and the pastor. That you give it to us, Jesus. Stir up people to fulfill those ministries in our midst, Lord. Lord, I cannot be everything. But together we can be the church that you have called us to be in the name of Jesus. So while every eye is closed, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, Jesus is calling you to him and he's screaming your name. and He says, hey, come to me. I actually have a plan and a purpose for you. I want to heal you up. I want to restore you. And then I'm going to send you. Paul had one encounter with God. And it changed the, the trajectory of his life. So if you need Jesus, just raise your hand. Just say, that is me. I need Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want you to look at the person next to you and just look them in the eye and just say, you are a fivefold minister and so often we will jokingly refer to this we giving so we want to give somebody the fivefold ministry but so we're going to give the devil the fivefold ministry so if you need prayer for healing uh, those of you raise your hand please come forward we want to pray for you over you if you need impartation you think you have this gift but you don't know please come forward we'd love to pray for you and then next week, all of us, and he starts all at 9 o'clock. Only one service. No services in this building. Amen. Great. Great.